Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just fuck yes, let's go. Socks making the choice. That's that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in house in the central division. That's right. I'm a meatball. You got to bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're going to. Dallas Keiko Lansing got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm going to beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. White Sox fans, welcome into the Sox on Tap post game show. A very happy Monday edition of the White Sox on Tap post game show. It's Giannani, NWI Steve, alongside me discussing a 4 2 comeback win over the Astros. Steve, I can't believe it. Hey, yo, Johnny. I don't know about you, but this win tonight here kind of gave me a little bit of nostalgia. Kind of had those 2020, first half of 2021 White Sox kind of vibes. It, it really did, Steve, and uh, we'll, we'll get to the specifics of it. But, oh, my God, when you talk about big wins here, none bigger than uh, this one here tonight, um, especially given where they are in the standings, what happened around the AL Central today, um, all of that, and then you're beating the best team in the American League, which, you know, yesterday you and I were on here talking about, you know, a split, and sure, that's still very much possible in the cards here, but this team unable to – consistently all year win series opening games and they do it against the cream of the crop here you got to feel good about that one you're you're very spot on in your assessment right there and i love how you threw in a little cream of the crop macho man randy savage style right there jonathan <laughs> very well done my friend that's that's what it's all about you know we talked about this last night that this team was going up against a higher caliber opponent Everybody was feeling good getting the three-game sweep against the pitiful-ass Detroit Tigers. Detroit still sucks, confirmed. Um, so they were going to have to step it up here for, you know, seven and two-thirds innings there. It, it looked ugly. It looked like same old issues that have plagued this team all season were ultimately going to come back to bite them in the ass, and then poof. Things just turned on a dime, and you love to see it. Yeah, it, it was. It really was enthralling, and I love that. You know, our guy Tony on tap was out there at the ballpark, so I'm really glad that he was able to take in this win. And I'm, you know what, Steve, I'm really most happy for Johnny Cueto because he has been just giving it his all, and he's been such a rock in this rotation, going you know uh, at least five innings every single time out, no matter whether that be you know, uh, all of the starts and then the one time where he was called upon after Michael Kopech's injury, but uh, especially in the last few, he hasn't gotten the support that he's needed. We were talking about those games against teams that they should have beaten in the Royals and the uh, Rangers previously. And he goes eight tonight and it was outstanding. And they were able to reward him then uh, by comprising that rally in, in the bottom of the eighth inning. A couple of things here about uh, our boy, John Cueto. First and foremost, Obviously, he made the comments in Kansas City after the game last week. So it was going to be interesting to see how he followed that up. Because a lot of times you'll see a player go up, make public comments about their team not having hard, not fighting hard. And then when they are called upon, they go out there and they lay an egg. We saw that a lot with a certain other veteran pitcher on this team. Um, earlier on this year, but alas, John Cueto is not a bitch like Dallas Keuchel. 
because John Cueto has fucking boulders in his fucking pants out there. And he just went out there today and just shoved and said, boys, we're going to get this done tonight. Hop on my back. Let's go. There shouldn't have been any runs scored out there. He went out there against the best team in the American League, and he just laid his nuts on the table. In, in, exactly, Steve. Uh, you paraphrase that beautifully. I, I can't really add on to that, but I can give you his line here. And it was eight innings, six hits, two runs, only one earned, one walk, three strikeouts. And when we're talking about this, this is from the very get-go here. That unearned run comes uh, in the first inning. I know he did give up an earned run in there as well. However, a situation in which Josh Harrison should have had a ball back up the middle uh, should have been a you know tailor-made double play ball, and Harrison just missed it. He just missed it, and um, it was ruled an error, and that led to one of the unearned runs. And Steve, early, we're all thinking, oh, boy, here we go again, right? Yeah, because you're three batters into the game, and you're already down one nothing. So it's just like, okay, well, here Houston's going to come back, bring this team and the fan base back down to earth after everybody was feeling good over the weekend and wasting no time reverting back to some of the unfortunate tendencies of this team throughout the course of the season here. But, you know, from that moment on after that first inning, once he gave up the RBI double to Alex Bregman later on there, and it was a 2 nothing game, Cueto just, he just shut it down after that. And again, this is still a very potent Houston Astros lineup. I know they were without Jose Altuve in the lineup today. Uh, they were without Jeremy Pena, but this is a team that is still more than capable of going out there and scoring a lot of runs, held down Jordan Alvarez, held down Alex Bregman for the remainder of the evening there. So you just have to tip your cap again to John Cueto. I mean, just let, let this guy ride the goddamn horse up and down the streets of, of Chicago later on this evening, doing whatever the hell he wants. Absolutely, Steve. Our guy Sal in the comments here, he says, Cueto has TWTW. That's the best way to really kind of recap it because he does. You, you talked about the uh, guys maybe floundering a little bit after making such like, you know, public comments about it. But I, I do think you and I talked about this a little bit on our Sunday Funday show yesterday. And we, we were discussing, did the, the Cueto comments work? And we thought, okay, we'll have to see, you know, further in, but the initial returns were good and they were able to fight back from some of the things. Well, guess what? They fought back again. They got down today, but they fought back, which is something they have not been able to do for the majority of the season up until just as of late. So uh, obviously Johnny Cueto had to shut it down after that in order to keep that situation alive for them to even have a chance to be able to do that. Um, but I, I will say if we can go and continue this, all right, the comments are working so far. So until we're proven otherwise, I, I'm all in on it. And I think Johnny Cueto did the right thing uh, by making those public statements, uh, whether TLR wants to agree with that or not. So um, I like we saw, like you'd mentioned him shutting down uh, some of these other potent hitters there. Sure. Alvarez did have an RBI on a set fly uh in the first to bring home the first run uh but other than that you know he goes over two you're looking at these other guys here your yuli guriel only one for four um you know uh, kyle tucker one for four uh and not a bad bad night at all for john cueto um outstanding actually it was um that, that's what he does He's, you know it's nothing and, new for us here and and the other thing about it though too was the fact that he was able to go eight innings here um you know this team hasn't had an off day since last monday obviously they had the double header in kansas city they don't have another off day here until the 29th of this month so they are in a very prolonged stretch of games here so the ability to go out there and save some bullets out of the bullpen that is huge that cannot be emphasized enough right now during this pivotal stretch here against quality opponents um so to be able to go out there and just nut up for lack of a better term right. and give this team 
the opportunity to win to win a game and to save the bullets out of the bullpen again that can't be stressed enough yeah right and you got four here against this Houston team and I would imagine that you're going to need it because we know we're going to get to a big pitching matchup here tomorrow but that guy that will be on the bump is not notoriously a late game sort of type pitcher uh just with the way that he navigates his outs uh, and the way that he gets them so uh I agree uh huge in that aspect and this is nothing to do with him this is something that he's been doing hell he threw a complete game and picked up the loss and that uh you know was at texas uh to open that series down in arlington so uh but then he went deep again uh, against kansas city royals and you know i had mentioned the stat earlier going uh no less than five innings in uh, every single one of his outings this year uh just an absolute rock so cannot enough cannot be said about johnny cueto i really hope uh someone can capture some video of him uh roaming around the streets of chicago uh, uh horseback tonight that, that would be excellent so uh but let's get into a little bit more of it steve um before it was uh, that comeback which we will get to and emphatically discuss here uh for the bottom of the eighth white Sox had some opportunities and uh you get situations in the bottom of the fourth bottom of the fifth bottom of the seventh uh all with uh possible threats uh that could come up here in the fourth grandall grounds into a double play in the fifth uh you get a kind of maybe botched hit and run scenario between uh josh harrison gavin sheets there uh and then the bottom of the seventh uh some terrible plate approach there and this felt like more that so white Sox stuff steve you're exactly right and that was one of the things that i tweeted out um after that particular seventh inning because you have runners on first and second and one out and two pitches later the inning's over with, with two soft pop outs and just like that you have a scoring opportunity you have a pitcher on the ropes and you don't take advantage of it and we're just sitting there collectively saying, here we go again. This is just, you know, what it is. This is the 2022 White Sox. Um, so that was extremely frustrating there. So you're right. I mean, there definitely were more opportunities to get on the scoreboard earlier in this game, make it a little less dramatic. But, you know, ultimately, um, they, they were able to get it done when it counted. Yeah, right. We'll talk about it in a second. Um, you know, I have to start prepping the show and get, get us ready for these broadcasts. And I, you know, initially I'd like to just put some placeholders down. My title throughout before the eighth inning rolled around was, you know, um, it was going to be that. Uh, let's see, what, what did I have here? It's better late than never is what we're talking about now. Uh, but I said no margin for error. And obviously a couple of those opportunities that we had just discussed in addition to uh, the Harrison botched possible double play ball in the first inning there, um, it would have been, you know, things that the Astros take advantage of the White Sox weren't able to. But Steve, enough of that. Let's get to the bottom of the eighth. And it's an interesting situation because um, still in the game, both starters working late into this one. Urquidy uh, does get the first two outs of the bottom of the eighth. And then A.J. Pollock hits a little squibber on the third baseline, unable to be handled there uh, at the bag. And that gets him on and then eventually chases uh, starter Kitty from the game. Uh, Montero comes in and he does not record an out because the White Sox put together an onslaught afterward. Vaughn doubles. Eloy doubles to bring home two. Yaz with the walk, not taking the bat off his shoulders, but it gets the job done because it brings up Moncada, who brings in the game-winning runs, a uh, pair of them on an RBI single back up the middle. Steve, I... When I was watching this, I was had all every doubt in my mind that it was going to end at every turn, even after they tied it up. Okay, well, they're not going to get the lead runs here, right? I don't know about how you felt about that, but I was so happy to be proven wrong here. I know initially, so when Andrew Vaughn hits the double down the right field line there, and A.J. Pollock again for the second straight day 
you know, shuts it down, not running hard. I literally am screaming. I'm, I'm saying, what the fuck are you doing? How are you not scoring on that play right there? And I'm just thinking, okay, this is going to come back to bite him in the ass because it almost always does. But then you see Eloy come up there, and he's really done a tremendous job since uh, coming back from the IL, providing this team with some punch in the middle part of this lineup. Gets the big double down the right, or excuse me, down the left field line there to score two runs to ultimately tie the game there, you know, and then the decisions to intentionally walk Jose Abreu and Yaz um, working himself a walk right there again. I mean, it, it's fascinating to see. Um, I don't feel like Montero was overly aggressive trying to go after Grandal, which is pretty surprising just given how lackluster he's been offensively this year. And so then that brings up Yohan Mankata. And it's interesting that probably two of the, most controversial and, and probably the two biggest whipping boys within the White Sox fan base, uh, Yasmani Grandal and Yoan Mancada are the two guys that really helped to extend the inning and ultimately push this thing over the hump tonight. Yeah, it really, it really was because uh, you know you had our guy uh, Tony uh, who was there at the ballpark, uh, you know, throwing some uh, you know heat on Yaz earlier in the game, and you know he's he's been deserving of it all year. I'm not going to go and say that he is not deserving of criticism. However, like you said, uh, it's just interesting that uh, those guys are the ones that come up in that situation. But I want to just reverse it back a little bit. I want to talk about Eloy really quick. After the first two pitches of that at bat, Steve, I don't know about you, but I was just waiting for a three pitch strikeout there. Um, because there, it was so inside on the first one. And then the next one, I think was a little bit further up, but then he's able to get his hands around on that third one. And that just speaks to how natural of a hitter that this guy is uh, for him to be able to adjust that. And I believe it was 96 or 97 uh, on that fastball inside that he ended up ripping down the left field line. Um, it It's clutch is all hell. Um, so we, we got to be thankful for that. Would you um, go as far as to say it's opportunistic? It, it was, Steve. It absolutely was opportunistic there uh, because, like you said, you didn't know uh, it, it, after Vaughn had doubled even because it felt like Pollock should have scored on that. Would they even bring at least one run around to the plate? The Eloy answered that emphatically uh, on an 0-2 count there. So um, I, I just need to give him some props because I, I was down. I, I was down on it. I, I thought that we were going to be looking at a strikeout there and be overly disappointed, but that was not the case, and he made sure of it. Yeah, it was some interesting pitch sequencing. You know, you would have thought after attacking inside with the two fastballs that um, ideally what we see teams do against Eloy a lot in that circumstance is then go hard slider away. And he has a propensity to chase those balls, especially if they are down outside of the zone. We saw it earlier than the game. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, I don't know if that was just a matter of Montero going away from the scouting report and maybe just being a little too bullheaded, thinking, hey, I just blew a couple of fastballs by this guy. I'm going to do it again. Look, that's the kind of thing that that can happen. We've we've seen that from Lance Lynn plenty of times um, over the course of the last two years here. So but hey, we'll take it. <laughs> We'll absolutely take it. And Steve, you know, um, it's unbelievable that, you know, the Astros do have such a lockdown pennant overall. Um, they are a very, very good team in relief. And you saw the figures uh, on the broadcast and all of that. However, um, I like to think that there might have been a little reverse jinx in play there, because once you go and show all that stuff about how great they are, uh, and then their first reliever that comes into the game, not even able to record an out. Any way that we can get it, I'll take it. We, we need Kane guy there tomorrow, uh, putting the you know the voodoo magic on uh, and lose Astros again. Hey, I'm I'm all for whatever it takes at this point. I mean that's that's what the motto should be for the remainder of the season. Whatever it takes. 
Yeah. And they, they did whatever it takes tonight. Um, it was very nice to see this and it, it we can go back and circle those comments. It, it very much embodied uh, the fire that Johnny Cueto was looking for. And they were able to show that. Um, and, and sure, you know, a couple instances that, you know, maybe things worked out in the way that, you know, sometimes it just goes in your favor, right? The the, the cards fall in your favor. Uh, the, the, you know, you win the lottery every once in a while, right? Well, may, maybe that was the case tonight. But however, either way, uh, it's a huge win for the White Sox and it's going to propel them uh, hopefully into the rest of the series because, Steve, we, we got a doozy tomorrow night. Um, we, we've talked about it a little bit uh, on the Sunday Funday show, but it's still in cease. It's Justin Verlander. It's a premier pitch matchup i'm looking forward to this one being in attendance with you man this is the type of thing that gets my nads pumping two probably two of the top three you know cy young finalists in the american league this year um i think i saw a stat on twatter.com earlier this morning uh that this is going to be the latest into a season that two pitchers with sub two eras are scoring off against each other in like 30 some years so this is a big one tomorrow and Justin Verlander, you motherfucker, I hate you. I have hated you for over 15 years. I want nothing more than to see the Sox put it on this asshole one more time. They haven't done it a lot since the calendar flipped to 2009. He's been a thorn in their sides. But my God, it would be just so satisfying to see this team go out there, get on him early, because that's what you really have to do against a quality pitcher like him. Um, and if they can do that and just build some positive momentum here, let Dylan Cease pitch with the lead, man, that would be really big tomorrow. Yeah, it, that would be a key to victory there, Steve. And I think another thing that backs that up is that Justin Verlander kind of works into his outing. Right. Uh, when he starts at the 92, the 93, the 94 velo on his fastball. And then by the end of it, he's pumping up into that 97 to 100 range there. So um, that may be something that the White Sox need to key in on. And when we're talking about just track record here, White Sox have gotten to him early. And like you had mentioned on our show yesterday, it, they did it with, with an overly aggressive plate approach, maybe kind of shell shocks uh, Verlander in that outing. I think it was one of his only bad outings of the first half when you're going really looking at uh, his. Is kind of game log there. Um, I don't know if the approach will be exactly the same, and maybe you might be a little bit more prepared for it after seeing it once. However, um, taking advantage early would still be uh, advantageous for our Southsiders. Yeah, it would definitely behoove them to get on the board early, uh, try to apply a little bit of pressure to this Astros team. Look, they're a, a veteran group. They are still the, the – the American League still runs through Houston – until someone else knocks them off. So they're not going to get flustered. They're not going to get rattled. If they fall behind early, they know that they are a good enough team to be able to come back and win a baseball game because they can beat just about anybody um, a variety of different ways. But if you do that, that we've seen with this Sox team so often that aside from games like tonight, more, more frequently than not this season, when they fall behind, they just kind of, you know, shrivel up and die out there so coming off of a very emotional win like this one here it would be very important to see them build that momentum early get on the board put justin verlander in a hole and then take it from there 
Yeah, and I think another key to this one, if we're talking about how the White Sox are going to be able to win this game uh, on Tuesday night, um, it, it, another key, it goes back to Johnny Cueto tonight, and that is saving the bullpen. So when Dylan sees, you know, you expect ace-level shit like he has provided over the better part of the past two and a half months, right? Um, but with that, if he does have to go out early because pitch count rides up because he's striking a lot of guys out, maybe he throws in a couple of walks in there, he is prone to that. That's just the style of pitcher that he is. But you have your Ronaldo Lopez to cover, possibly two if you need it. You have Jake Diekman in a lefty situation if you get some lefties up there, like, say, a Jordan Alvarez, a sweeping slider, possibly against him. You have Kendall Graveman, who did not throw tonight after walking down the game on Sunday afternoon. And I would imagine, since Liam Hendricks did not throw uh, on Sunday, and I know you did go to him tonight, but it was not an overly long inning for him, he would be available as well. That is Four really good arms there that I like uh, at the back of the bullpen there that can back up Dylan Cease tomorrow. And, and you've got Joe Kelly in there as well, who right. has, you know, in his last uh, six or seven outings, been throwing the ball considerably better than he was initially when he first got to this team. So with him actually throwing strikes and getting ahead of guys, it's made a tremendous impact there. So you're right. They really do have that bullpen A squad rested, lined up, and ready to go. And that's why, again, just – John Cueto going out there and being able to give this team 24 outs that can't be magnified enough. It was huge. It, it was huge. And you know what? Johnny Cueto deserves all of the praise tonight and he got the W tonight. I, I know it, pitcher pitcher wins are not something that we're going to go and use. Obviously if you go and look at it, he's only five and five on the year. However, it is satisfying when you can still are <laughs> still able to notch that for your guy because it, it usually results in a culmination of a number of team aspects. Right. And, and that's just what we wanted results wise for the White Sox all year. And it has you know, been there, but it finally came through tonight. Yeah. You know, when, when someone like me talks about the devaluing of pitcher wins um, and I get into this argument with my dad all the time, I mean, he's 68 years old. So, you know, he still is thinking about baseball, how it was in, you know, the 1960s when he was a kid, when starting pitchers were expected to go eight innings, nine innings, every time out. And, and so that's why, you know, to him, you know, the idea of pitcher wins not being valuable is just a foreign concept. But when you have starting pitchers, just not working deep into games the way that they did in previous eras, so many things can go wrong afterwards with the specialization of bullpens. So when you have a night like tonight where, where Cueto is able to go out there and give you eight innings that there's value in that. And that right. shows again, he put this team in a position to win a baseball game by going out there and getting those 24 pivotal outs and only requiring the bullpen to cover three outs. That is huge. That is right there a circumstance where you you talk about a pitcher win. Johnny Cueto fucking deserved that tonight. Yeah, earned it. Earned it. Absolutely, 100%. So, uh, Steve, it was great running down this game with you. I'm glad. We're talking about a White Sox winner here, uh, hopefully one that is able to boost them in the emotional department too, Steve, because I know uh, it, we're still in regular season here. Nothing will ever match the playoff, uh, you know, playoff intensity, right? But there was a little bit more spark in the ballpark. There was uh, the, a little bit of the roar of the crowd. And our guy Buzz pointed out on Twitter, and I think that's something that they can really tap into uh, and hopefully use their advantage moving forward because I would imagine it's going to be – pretty good crowd on hand. I mean, you and I will be at least two of them there uh, tomorrow night uh, when we're talking about this big matchup between Cease and Berlander. Well, and you would think too that with a roster that is largely the same as what it was during 2021, 
These guys should be pissed off with Houston coming in there, knowing that that was the team that ended their season on their home field last year. So there should be a degree of wanting to get some retribution for that. Obviously, you can't undo what was done in a previous season, but they should use that as a little bit of fuel to go out there and say, hey, you know what? We've been knocked down this year, and this team that is coming in here, they were the ones that ended our season a year ago. Everybody remembers how deflating that 11-1 loss was in game four and the slow death march that it was by about the fourth or fifth inning right there. So that shouldn't be lost on any of them. So this is a team that you want to go out there and you want to beat because, again, the road to the American League pennant goes through Houston until further notice. So no better time than now to springboard this thing and get back on track you had your your little fun over the weekend with a piss poor Detroit Tigers team. You want to show that you're for real. You want to show that you're going to find a way to get back into this thing and that you are serious about contending and getting a hold of this division, even though your back is against the wall, then you got to go out there and you got to beat the best. I, I think you put it really well in that nothing can, you know, erase what happened in, in a past season, but the pride, right? Uh, the, the pride that they were the team that knocked you out. And the, I think more of the, for me, I get to the, and granted, they're probably not headline chasing and watching all, all the time, but you, you see it. It's noise out there, right? And it's that, oh, the White Sox can't stack up with the best of these. And so far this season, absolutely right. They haven't given them a reason to. However, you can change that in the matter of four days here. You did it on day one. Let's see how days three through four, uh, two through four shake out. You're right. We we talked about, you know, expectations coming into this series, hoping to get a split. Well, you're halfway there right now. You win this game tomorrow. You got your ace on the mound, your best pitcher. This is a game that, you know, you should be in position to win. Now, obviously, look, you're going up against Houston's best as well. So it's going to be a very difficult matchup. But you get that one tomorrow. You get those two games right there. You've already met expectations. Then at that point, it's time to get greedy. So we knew coming into this week, this was going to be a challenging one. And, you know, if you could find some way to go, you know, fucking five and two this week, that would go a very long way for this team. They got the first one down here. Let's keep building. Right. And I think it's important, too, that, you know, not that you always you want to be focused on the game in hand there. But when you look forward to that next stretch here, right, you're going to Cleveland for three. How great would it feel? You came off three of four against the Astros or something like that. Hell. God forbid a four-game sweep. That would be outstanding. But either way, if you put yourself in that position, you played some really solid baseball. Hopefully clean up some of the stuff that plagued them early in this game tonight uh, for tomorrow and moving forward. Uh, maybe, you know, just to spark the fire that Johnny Quaid was talking about. Maybe that's lit underneath them now uh, after recording a victory like so tonight. Um, you never know. It's a wild thing how those emotions can run uh, and how, people can kind of start to click on all cylinders as a unit, right? Uh, when you see that energy that's in the ballpark and you see, uh, you know, how the response is after you win one of those games, when you go and look at the standings and we're only two back, right? Cause for going looking around the rest of the AL central today, Steve, the guardians split with piss poor tigers team. The white Sox are just able to sweep here. Uh, the twins did take care of business tonight, but either way they're in striking distance. I know they were before, but you even gained a half a game tonight. 
Yeah, that's that's the key at this point here as the days on the calendar dwindle. You want to be gaining ground, not losing ground. That's that's what it ultimately comes down to on a day-to-day basis here. So if you can continue to do that, you're going to be in a good spot here. And boy, wouldn't it be something if, you know, like you talked about here, just circling back to this, if Cueto's comments ultimately were the thing that kind of served as the catalyst and, you know, go all ESPN 30 for 30. What if I told you a veteran <laughs> calling out his team's play and heart yes. ultimately changed the course of a season? Yeah, it, it, dude. And we're setting up for it. Our guy Tony likes to say, you know, it's going to be cinematic. It's a rip, an antithesis of a line from the Sopranos. But no, it could be because it's either going to crash and burn and be terrible and they're going to miss playoffs or whatever, or it's going to be cinematic in their rise to that. And what would spark that? There you go. What would I told you if? John Cueto's comments uh, in a four-game Dog Days of Summer series at Kansas City turned the tide for the 2022 White Sox. I sure as hell hope we're talking about that when it comes towards down the end of September, early October. But that's all we've got for you tonight here on Sox on Tap. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure you're subscribed on Tap Sportsnet on YouTube. Jump in the comment section here, and we can feature them live during the show. On tapsportsnet.com is the place to go. For all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs, you can find us on social media at Socks on Tap and at On Tap Sportsnet. All right, Steve, I can't wait. Get out there with you tomorrow night. See a premier pitching matchup. Until then, White Sox forever. Let's fucking go. White Sox for life.